Welcome to the Lisa Wexler Show podcast. Think of it like a magazine or a box of chocolates. You never know what you'll get. From politics to pop culture, healthcare to legal issues, it's all here. And my behind-the-wheel chats are personal observations created especially for you on podcast only. Enjoy. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, hello, and welcome to the show today. Uh, I think we're going to have a bit of a blockbuster show, so hold on to your hats. At least I hope so. Jonathan Tobin will be joining us at 11 o'clock and he, right after the news. And he is a very, very well-respected, award-winning writer. He writes uh, a lot about Jewish issues, but he also was the editor of National Review, Commentary Magazine. He is a little bit on the right to the side of the spectrum in terms of how the way we pigeonhole people. But he's really a brilliant, thoughtful writer. And he came out with an eviscerating view of what has happened in the last 24 hours, but really started well before that and ending in the uh, what is being deemed the forced resignation of Claudine Gay. So let's talk a little bit about this, because this is the story that people are talking about at their dinner tables and in their telephone conversations and texts. Claudine Gay is the first black woman, not the first woman, by the way, but the first black woman to achieve the extraordinary prestige and rank of being the president of Harvard University. Before that, she was the dean of arts and sciences of Harvard College, which is no small thing. Uh, She, as well as the, and they were all women, the presidents of MIT, Sally Kornbluth, and Elizabeth McGill, the president of UPenn, were on the hot seat when many members of Congress, but notably among them Elise Stepanek, in the uh, in in Congress, were asking about this emergence, this extraordinary ugly thing that has happened in college campuses ever since October seventh, and this thing that has been happening in college campuses exploded since October seventh. But the BDS movement, which stands for, it stands for uh, boycott, divestment, and I don't remember what the S is, but the idea is that Israel is a illeg- is an illegitimate state and that people should not invest in anything having to do with Israel. I think it's sanction, boycott, divestment, and sanction- sanctions. The, the BDS movement had taken hold beginning in the University of California at Berkeley a number of years ago. And if anybody was paying attention to it. It was a very ugly, some people thought of it as an illegal expression because 
they were basically asking universities not to fund anything having to do with investment in the state of Israel and holding Israel alone accountable for policies and things that many, many other countries do in their own self-interest, and only Israel was singled out. So this idea that on college campuses there has been an association that Israel is the bad guy, the enemy, the, the bugaboo, has been around for a while. But I think we can all see that since October 7th, with the explosion of a tremendous amount of intimidation and threatening kinds of marches and actions on college campuses, that it's been really difficult for a lot of Jewish kids to be college students. So in the wake of all of this, these three college university presidents were asked in Congress, and we played the clip many, many times, but it was so notable and shocking that none of these three women would condemn the calling for the genocide of the Jewish people. They said it was within the free speech allowances and that the statement alone needed to be viewed in context. Okay, that was shocking to hear in and of itself because they weren't being asked whether or not people should go to jail for these statements. They weren't asked whether or not it was constitutional to make these statements by themselves. They were asked whether or not these statements were a violation of university policy. University policy. And they couldn't say that it wasn't. They, they fumfered over each other. They had the assistance of Wilmer Hale, which is a prestigious law firm, which advised all three of these women. And by the way, they also, I think, are a grave fault here. And so they gave legalistic tumble salt responses, and the rest of the country was appalled. I think collectively, individually, most people I know were shocked and appalled to hear their responses. In the immediate wake of that, a little bit later, Liz McGill from Penn resigned. Sally Kornblith of MIT has not, and there have not been what I can see calls for her resignation. But Claudine Gay has been in a special place by herself. Because, number one, she's only been serving for six months in this position. And from the very beginning of the time that she was chosen, largely by Penny Pritzker, who was a billionaire woman who sits on the board of Harvard University, Jewish herself, incidentally, um, who wanted uh, Claudine Gay, I believe, because she really was excited about having the first black woman president of Harvard. From the beginning, she was assailed by people who said that her academic work did not stand up sufficiently to rigor. And particularly, there was another black woman professor a very, very, her name is Carol, I can't remember her last name, who is very uh, well-known and regarded in her field, who accused in writing in a Wall Street Journal editorial that was printed, accused in writing Claudine Gay of stealing her career. Stealing her career. Because she said Claudine Gay in her writings, in Claudine's writings, attributed original thoughts to herself that really were the original thoughts of this other academic. And she said, because of what Claudine Gay did to me, I did not have the success that I should have had in my career. Could you imagine this? This is another black woman, illustrious professor. So then they start to look into Claudine Gay's own academic record, and they look into it, they look into it, and they find out, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. It's not just this one woman. It's not just an isolated instance. It's not just an attribution that shouldn't have been or that was missed or was sort of covered up. It's also, and the day before she resigned, it's also more plagiarism. But this time, plagiarism in paragraphs. This time, lifting work from other sources. And all of a sudden, Harvard realized they have a problem. They don't have a problem 
because the president of their university did not sufficiently say we do not approve the genocide of Jews. They had a problem because here they have an academic leader and they expel kids all the time for plagiarism and cheating. And they have somebody at the head of their institution who's accused of the very same thing and credibly accused of the very same thing, credibly accused. So they have a problem. So guess what? She resigns. But she doesn't resign. I want you to read the letter. I'm gonna, I have parts of it here. She doesn't resign and accept any responsibility whatsoever for her own conduct. In her resignation, she basically says it's racist. She basically says, I'm resigning because I'm forced to resign. I don't want to resign. And in the letter that Harvard University sent to Harvard, which I have and we're going to talk about right now, it is astonishing in the tone. So we're going to read it, but I want to, I want to just summarize for you because I read the letter a couple of times. Harvard University sent a letter to all of the professors at Harvard, all the members of Harvard University, apologizing with tremendous regret and sorrow that Claudine Gay is not leaving Harvard University. She's being demoted from president of the university back to her original position as the dean of arts and sciences of Harvard College. She is still the leader Even though she is a credibly accused plagiarist, she is still at Harvard University at a salary of $900,000 a year. $900,000 a year. And Harvard is so sorry because they never would have let her go. They never would have fired this woman. But they feel they have to succumb to pressure. And the terrible vitriol and all, and I'm sure, by the way, I'm sure that, and seriously, I'm sure that there was a lot of ugly crap that was leveled at Claudine Gay that had no business being in this conversation. Because you know that what American people are capable of is disgusting. So we all know that. So I am sure that they flung a lot of crap at her that was completely irrelevant to the subject at hand. But give me a break. Give me a break. Once again, the lowest common denominator. Give me a break. You can't stand up as Harvard and say, you know what? We made a mistake. This woman does not comport with the, upon further scrutiny, we are sorry about this whole episode. And she obviously wasn't tried in a court of law. But nonetheless, we feel, based on our examination, that she really isn't fit to lead our institution. And with that, we say goodbye to her. Not at $900,000 a year salary and allow her to lead Harvard College. What example is she leading there? You tell me. The accusations of plagiarism. By the way, can we do the scales of justice? Can we be a Libra for a minute and do the scales of justice and balance the scales of justice? Which is worse, to copy somebody's work or to say that the genocide of Jews in saying so is not against public policy of Harvard? Just asking, which is worse? And by the way, if somebody had called for the genocide of black people, how do you think it would have been handled? And there it is. There's the hypocrisy right there. There it is, because that is what these Ivy League universities are truly being accused of. They're being accused of basically not allowing any speech to criticize any group at all that's been marginalized or segmented, except to allow the criticism of Jews. That's it. And so in that hypocrisy, there's the flowering of anti-Semitism. There it is, right there at its core. There is the flower, right there. There's the petal. There's the blossoming. Okay, We won't allow people to say anything bad about gay people. 
We won't let people say anything bad about black people, Spanish people, immigrant people, you name it, transgender people, because we don't like that. And by the way, Harvard, dead last, dead last in the survey on free speech on college campuses. Let's not forget that. As they are sitting in Congress and talking about how they defend the virtues of free speech, we all know in reality they do not allow free speech on their college campuses. They do not. Any dissenting view against any of their conventional wisdom is shut down. People are fired. They lose their jobs. They can't get into the classes they want. They can't get into the university programs they want. They are out. So they don't really walk the walk when it comes to free speech anyway. It would be one thing if we said we allow all kinds of dissenting speech on our campuses. Here's an example. There's an example. There's an example. We abhor and we think it's against public policy and against university policy to call for the hatred or destruction of any group, Jews or any kind of a group. But here's where we allow it. We allow it on a soapbox uh, on the middle of, of, of campus from 4 to 6 every single Wednesday. And people espouse the most hateful rhetoric and there's no punishment whatsoever. We walk the walk. That's not what these institutions do. That's not what they ever did. So the hypocrisy and the and and the wrongdoing itself is what has been called into sharp focus. And that's why I've been saying for months now it is a time of reckoning. In case you haven't read the letter, I'm not going to read the whole thing. It's pretty long, but I'm going to I'm going to read you some of it now. This is the dear members of the Harvard community. This is the letter that went out to members of Harvard yesterday by email, because Claudine Gay resigned. And here's how it opens. With great sadness, we write in light of President Claudine Gay's message announcing her intention to step down from the presidency and resume her faculty position at Harvard. Okay, so right away, there's your tone. Right away. With great sadness. Why are they sad? Why are they sad? Why should they be sad? They should be sad because they're feeling sorry for themselves. They're licking their wounds because their reputation as Harvard has never taken such a blow in my entire 63 years on earth. They are absolutely feeling self-pitying and sorry for themselves with great sadness. How about after internal review and looking at our core values, we decided that President Claudine Gay should step down? No, 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 no. With great sadness, we are accepting her resignation and allowing her to go down to the former position at a salary of $900,000 a year, which may or may not be a raise. I wonder if we could look that up. I wonder what her original salary was. Maybe she got a raise. First and foremost, we thank President Gay for her deep and unwavering commitment to Harvard and to the pursuit of academic excellence. Blah, 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 blah. Throughout her long and distinguished leadership, blah, 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 she believes passionately in Harvard's mission, devoted her career. I'm sure that's all true. Okay, blah, blah. We are also grateful to Alan Garber, provost and chief academic officer, who has served with distinction in that role for the past 12 years and who has agreed to serve as interim president until a new leader for Harvard is identified. He is an economist and a physician, and then they list his accolades. We are fortunate to have someone of Alan's broad experience. These past several months have seen Harvard and higher education face a series of sustained and unprecedented challenges. What kind of a statement is that? What are their challenges? How about the fact that they didn't rise to the challenge? In the face of escalating controversy and conflict, President Gay and the Fellows, capital F, remember it's the Fellows who choose in secret. That's fine. That's their prerogative. Who's going to be the next leader of Harvard? President Gay and the Fellows have sought to be guided by the best interests of the institution. 
Her own message conveying her intention to step down eloquently underscores what we who have worked with her have long known. Her commitment to the institution and its mission is deep and selfless. It is with that overarching consideration that we have accepted her resignation. We do so with sorrow. Listen to this letter. I mean, I really, what you need to understand now, welcome back to the show, 203-333-9422 if you want to call. And I would really be interested to know if you're a Harvard alum, how you respond to this. If you're a Harvard person, what do you think about this? If you're somebody who's gone to a different Ivy League institution, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? Do you think that this is going to have any impact long term on the prestige, on the demand that is associated with going to one of these Ivy League universities? Do you think that this time of reckoning will have any real impact in the actual world in terms of hiring standards or looking to other universities and colleges for excellence? Do you think that within Harvard, notwithstanding these letters, that there really is a reckoning going on and a a close, deep look at who the people are that have been appointed to lead these institutions? Or do you think it's a one- or two-day news story and it will pass? Because to me, that's the biggest question. It's a what now? One of the things I'm asking myself is, and I was thinking about this, what do we do when we have taken down one of the last bastions of institutions in America that we have long collectively admired? What do we replace it with? What are we going to do? When the Catholic people saw their beloved Catholic Church crumble from the rot from within, from the years and years of cover-ups of sexual misconduct and abuse, what were the Catholic people left with? The people that have called our show have said they've been left with their faith that their faith is distinct from the church and that slowly but surely over time they hope their church rebuilds, but their faith is strong. What do we do in America when we choose to seek and be proud of great institutions of learning? Where do we go when the emperor has been shown to show to see that they have no clothes? Where do we go? What do we do? What comes next? I want to continue with this. We do so with sorrow, says Harvard University. While President Gay has acknowledged missteps and has taken responsibility for them, it is also true that she has shown remarkable resilience in the face of deeply personal and sustained attacks. Here's my question, my editorial. Where has she acknowledged missteps and where has she taken responsibility for them? Harvard writes, while some of this has played out in the public domain, much of it has taken the form of repugnant and in some cases racist vitriol directed at her through disgraceful emails and phone calls. I'm sure that's true. People can get very ugly, and I'm sure that they did. The search for a new president of the university will begin in due course. We will be in touch with you about that. For today, we close by reiterating our gratitude to President Gay. We live in difficult and troubling times. Formidable challenges lie ahead. May our community find new ways to meet those challenges together. Signed by the fellows of Harvard College. Would you like to know who they are? Of course you do. These are probably the most influential people in America that you've never heard of. Penny Pritzker, we've heard of her. The Pritzker fortune based on Hyatt Hotels, one of the richest. Her brother is the governor of of Illinois. Timothy Barraquette, treasurer, never heard of him. Kenneth Chenault, remember him? One of the the leading figures in corporate America, black man. I believe he was head of American Express. Mariano Florentino Cuellar, Paul Finnegan, Biddy Martin, Karen Gordon-Mills, Diana Nelson, Tracy Palangin, Shirley Tillman, Theodore V. Wells, Jr. 
Are any of these names tripping off the tongue? Are any of these names patently famous to anyone? They might be famous to you if you know in an inner circle who they are. They are not, they are not famous people. They are not intended to be famous people. They are extraordinarily influential people. Now let's go to President Harvard President Claudine Gay's resignation letter issued yesterday, January 2nd, 2024. Dear members of the Harvard community, it is with a heavy heart but a deep love for Harvard that I write to share that I will be stepping down as president. This is not a decision I came to easily. Indeed, it has been difficult beyond words because I have looked forward to working with so many of you to advance the commitment to academic excellence. By the way, one of the things that came out during this period of time is that Claudine Gay was, by the end, she was one of several people that were considered for the top job. And her application to the fellows became public in an essay. And essentially, the reason that she argued she should get the job was because of her commitment to diversity, equity, and inclusion. And the reason, DEI, and the reason that she got the job was because of her fierce commitment to DEI. And we all know now that looking at DEI from different angles is something that all of us have an obligation to do because we have seen that it can be, uh, it can be something for a force of good, but it can also be something for, a, for a, uh, a force, in my opinion, of very bad, very, very bad, where it causes people to constantly look at each other by their box, their box, their box, their box, and it emphasizes equality of outcome versus equality of opportunity. But in any event, uh, I'm reading this letter by President Claudine Gay, and I want to tell you that I've read this entire letter several times. I don't see any acceptance of responsibility for any of these accusations of plagiarism. I don't see any acceptance of responsibility for accusations that she mishandled the congressional hearing and didn't speak properly about what the role of a college is in terms of moral leadership and its own policy. I'm looking here. This is what she writes. Amidst all of this, meaning the, she says, my deep sense of connection to Harvard has made it all the more painful to witness the tensions and divisions that have riven our community in recent months. Amidst all of this, it has been distressing to have doubt cast on my commitments to confronting hate and to upholding scholarly rigor, two bedrock values that are fundamental to who I am. So you heard that, right? I'll read it again so you can understand that she is not taking any responsibility for any missteps. Amidst all of this, it has been distressing to have doubt cast on my commitments to confronting hate. That's the genocide remark. And to upholding scholarly rigor. That's the plagiarism. She is upset and hurt that people dare to criticize her over her conduct in these two areas. There is no acknowledgement whatsoever. And she says it's frightening to be subjected to personal attacks and threats fueled by racial animus. I'm sure. I'm sure that's true. When I became president, I consider myself particularly blessed by the community to be here at Harvard. I had hoped with all my heart to be in partnership with all of you to lead on the journey. Uh, she doesn't take responsibility for the fact that Harvard is dead last. Well, she's only been there six months in efforts uh, to have any free speech on campus. And then she says, sad as I am to be sending this message, my hopes for Harvard remain undimmed. When my brief presidency is remembered, I hope it will be seen as a moment of reawakening to the importance of striving to find our common humanity and of not allowing rancor and vituperation to undermine the vital process of education. 
Okay. So she's going to be there. She's still going to wield tremendous influence. And uh, she is going to be the leader of Harvard College, which is an extraordinary place to exert her influence. And listen, most of us, if not all of us, are shades of gray. Every one of us is a nuanced human being. And in fact, in her scholarship altogether in her life, if she plagiarized a few things and owned up to it, maybe it isn't the worst sin in the world. Maybe it isn't. But I don't see her owning up to it at all. And what she said in terms of Congress and how she answered the questions, we know that she was coached. We know that the lawyers told her to be afraid of lawsuits and that she needed to be careful and parse every word. And what she should have said the day after is, I don't want to blame my lawyers, but you know what? I got to blame my lawyers because the truth of the matter is, here's what I should have said. And this is what I truly believe. And that, that speech never happened. Instead, she retreated. She retreated to saying, everybody is blaming me and I'm the victim here. You know what? She's not the victim. She's a very privileged person who has led a life in an ivory tower of privilege and money and access and influence the likes you and I will never know. We will never know the inner sanctums to which Claudine Gay has been involved in and allowed into. We will never understand the length and the breadth of her influence as the Dean of Arts and Sciences for many years at Harvard College, much less the six months at the head of Harvard Institute, uh, University. You and I will never know that. She knows that. And the fellows know that. And the alumni of Harvard know that because they have the most elite club on the face of the earth. I'm Lisa Wexler. We'll be right back. 
Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, please share it with your friends. And as always, feel free to contact me at Lisa at LisaWexler.com.